folks, for years, for the last two, three years, I have been talking about how there will be an inevitable pushback on the system, on the establishment, and the current ruling narratives will crumble. There will be a return of comedy. And about a year and a half ago, I started asking, hey, does anyone feel like there's a weird 2016 type energy back in the air that's been missing since like, oh, late 2017 and a lot of people said no james you're crazy things are only gonna get worse no things will only get worse from here it will never go back to the fun and the uh, chaotic energy of 2016 or any of that it's it, it, it's all chaos from here we've we we've lost take the black pill and then and then well then i start seeing pepe's fucking ever dude i have a pepe beanie I found it. Then I start seeing memes and everything all over the fucking place. So I'm like, damn, Pepe's everywhere again? Shit. Trump's talking about the culture war? Shit. Memes are flowing again? Fresh memes are back in the air supply? You mean people like Carpe Donctum and all these other people are back on Twitter? Making fresh memes every fucking day? And there's parallel economies? There's parallel options for everything... I mean, like it or not, you know, I got grips with the Daily Wire. Daily Wire is actually competing with not just CNN and these other networks and Disney and all that. It's competing with Fox as well. There's a lot of great things. There's a lot of chaotic energy out there in the world, and I am here for it. But while there's been a cultural, and I say cultural not necessarily right or left, but a counter-communist revolutionary uh, pushback with a parallel economy it we've had razor companies we've had candy companies pancake companies apps phone providers there's a right wing or a freedom parallel equivalent to almost every service and now there is an anti-cancel culture comedy store or a comedy club I said store on purpose because the comedy store backstabbed everybody and it got thrown under the fucking bus like it should like it fucking should Joe Rogan opens anti-cancel comedy club quote I'm drunk on shrooms and on mushrooms in my new club by Taylor Knight I am fucking excited Chappelle, all all the comedians. Joe Rogan knows all the great comedians. Louis C.K. is fucking back. Dane Cook is starting to pop back up. Bill Cosby is doing stand-up again. By the way, by the way, I am definitely going to go see Bill Cosby live. I know there's probably a moral issue here, but I am not Kant. I don't give a fuck. Now, let's just watch this and get to the article. And we'll talk more about it as we go. I love the look of this. Comedy mothership, of course.
Beach. Oh, dude, I love the thr- I, I love this. The fucking Stargate ass. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Duncan Trussell. Sell out, grifter. Ooh, fucking whack, fucking jab, sell out. Fuck you. Fuck Tim Dillon. Fuck everything about Tim Dillon. And here's why Tim Dillon. Look, it's complete bullshit that the government's gonna do a vaccine mandate. You should not comply. Also, I'm only gonna do venues that do vaccine mandates. And then I'm gonna get all fucking mad that Jim Brewer is canceling all these comedy events that he had. And then I'm gonna call Jim Brewer a fucking sellout. Nah, fuck this prick. Right? When it was making him money and making him a big thing of fame to be the gay Trump supporter to stand-up comedy and who's funny, that's not my Indianapolis, he did that. And then when cancel came on, people started getting their shit taken away after Trump got kicked out of office immediately and like the first year and a half worth of purging that followed, he turned his tune around and shoved his thumb up his ass and bent over and went black pill as hell and then sold out. Did all these comedy shows and all these places that required a vaccine mandate that he didn't have to comply with, but the audience did if they wanted to see him, while shitting on people and snapping at him for calling him out. I have nothing besides animosity for Tim Dillon. A, he wasn't that funny to fucking begin with. And B, he's an absolute fucking sellout. Now Tony Hinchcliffe's the fucking man. Kill Tony? Hell yeah. Hell This is... Awesome. I am fucking excited as hell for this. Saying good stuff like this. Good stuff, right? Then, in an instant, since Tim Dillon shoving his foot down his throat and back out his ass was done on a Twitter format, not like video and through series of videos and stuff. I'll just leave a link to this old ass Tim Pool video in the bottom if you want to know more about that. But Tim Dillon is absolutely a fucking grifter at this point. And he will change his personality on a fucking whim. He will go white pill and have to misc his hell tomorrow if it made him money. That's just my personal opinion. I do not like him in the slightest. Hecklers will be alienated from Joe Rogan's new comedy club. 
the comedian and podcaster opened an anti-cancel culture comedy club called Comedy Mothership in Austin, Texas. This month, featuring a lineup of canceled comedians such as David Lucas, Ron White, Tim Dillon, Tony Tony Hinchcliffe, and Roseanne Barr. Also, Roseanne Barr's comedy, her new special looks like it's going to actually be pretty fucking good. I'm looking forward to watching it. Quote, I'm drunk and high on mushrooms in my new club. This is as high as I've ever been on stage. Rogan, 55, said, quote, I need to connect with this moment. Rogan said he aimed to create a safe space for comedians to share their dark humor without the fear of being canceled. Quote, you can't fire me from my own club, bitch, exclaimed Rogan. Yes! This is what you do with fuck you money, Joe. What you, this is what you fucking do with it. It's about time Joe Rogan did what you need to do with fuck you money. Comedy Mothership's first show on March 7th sold out in minutes, with $40 tickets now being resold for $500 online. God damn. Quote, I felt compelled to do it. I never wanted to own a comedy club. I always felt like you just had to be nice to comedy club owners because you never want to be the, one of those people. But then when I knew I was moving here and Austin's Capital Com- City Comedy Club was already closed, I was like, maybe I should buy a fucking club and start a fucking club. And that became my focus, Rogan stated on Theo Vaughn's podcast. All right, I'm going to slow it down just slightly. Found part of the podcast. Just sit. I'm not even going to talk that much. I'm just going to sit back and let you just... Did I just accidentally end the recording? Okay, thank God. <sighs> See what I mean? I've been weirdly paranoid about my system crashing on me again after all the storms and shit. All right. Yeah, that's true. We laugh our ass off just the other day. Yeah. yeah. Last night. We laugh our ass off last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last Fucking night fun, man. Fucking fun. It's the greatest. And Kill Tony was so good. That show is... The best. It's the best show. Kill Tony's the best show for comedy. For stand-ups, like up-and-coming stand-ups, there's no better atmosphere, no better... And it's, it's the cornerstone of stand-up in Austin because it's such a good show and it, you for one minute, all you have to do is just be funny. All that woke bullshit, all that virtue signaling, all that's out the window. All that, like, posing... You got one minute. You better come with some jokes. Oh. Come with some jokes. Yeah. Or just come. I think you would laugh at that, dude. <laughs> if somebody got up there and bashed out for a second. It depends on where it lands. Oh, I don't know, dude. I pants Burt Kreischer during one. Did you? I pulled his fucking pants down. He had no underwear on. His, his ass was half hanging out. He, st- he stood up and he raised his, sh- his arms up in the air and he took his shirt off and I fucking pulled his pants right down. <laughs> Show him that cock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should just go full nudist. How long is it? How long? Oh, dude. Right here with the fucking best guest you could ever have in your podcast. Wow. You know, I've never seen Lex Friedman look so human before. Mm. Are you excited? Can we talk about the club? Yeah, sure. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. How how long has this been your dream? Uh, It wasn't a dream ever. I used to tell comedians, be nice to club owners because you don't want to be one. Because I was like, we need them. Yeah, like, sure. Comedians have uh, oftentimes have an adversarial relationship with people. I feel like he's club. watching me. He is. He's judging us. He's always judging. <laughs> zero, me. zero, zero. <laughs> and I wanted you to be ones. Uh, Joe, why are you such a zero? The um the relationship that comedians have with clubs is based on the initial feeling that you had from clubs. There's like like you have to kind of like work through that because in the beginning you're an open mic and you're fucking terrible and you start getting better and you're trying to get work but they don't want to give you work and they don't really respect you because they remember when you were terrible and then you have to leave town and then when you leave town you're going to clubs and you're not getting paid that much and sometimes people will kind of screw you over on the ticket prices or something will go wrong and you you got to just be cool about all of it 
You gotta be as friendly to club owners as you can because you don't wanna be one. And you need those people. We need them. We're not gonna go open up our own clubs. And I would say to these guys, like, just, we have this idea, like it's an adversarial relationship with clubs. Like, it's not, we're all working together. Like, you gotta be nice to these folks. Like, no one wants to open a fucking club. And then I came here, I was like, God damn it, I gotta open a club. I was like, we had one place we're working out of, which is like an EDM club, the Vulcan Gas Company, which has been amazing. But it's not really set up for comedy. There's right. a balcony. It's weird. Some of the the, the the seating, like people are staring at a screen. I don't like that part of it. But it's an amazing staff and it's an amazing set and it sounds great. It's fun. And it kept us here for like a couple of years. But I go, but we need like a full-time comedy club, like the comedy store. And so I started looking and I almost bought one place that was owned by a cult. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> this is, I was actually under contract. And then some issues happened and fell apart. But I didn't know what that meant until Adam Egan said, oh yeah. He goes, I, I saw the documentary on them. I go, what? There's a documentary? <laughs> oh, Jesus you know Christ. It's bad when they He's, make a movie about it. <laughs> so the documentary is called Holy Hell. <laughs> and this documentary is about this guy who, um, he ran a cult in West Hollywood. And he was this guy who, at one point in time, he was like, a, he was a failed actor. And then he was, he's a dancer. And he was this really weird gay guy that was super, super charismatic. And he got all these people to join his cult. And they fled West Hollywood for some reason and came to Austin. And when they got to Austin, they set up this whole commune and uh, he had them build him a theater where he could dance in front of them. Okay. So they built this beautiful theater, but, but you know, it's all like the cult members made it. Like, I don't even know if they use general contractors. I don't know, but it's a beautiful place. And so I watched the documentary. I'm like, oh no, the documentary's so bad. This guy was fucking everyone, right? He was getting money from them, but he was, he was fucking them. And then he would make them pay him because it was therapy. So he would fuck all the guys, like the straight guys. And then they, and they were talking about this. Like, so this is what we're talking about, like cults. These are regular folks. <laughs> yeah. These guys are so upset that they, they couldn't believe this was it. They thought they had it nailed. They thought they figured life out. They yeah. thought they had a group of people and they could all live together. This guy's like the biggest stud in history. Like if you're getting, you're, straight guys are paying you to fuck them. You're talented. It's like, beyond comprehension the, the the kind of charisma you need <laughs> yeah the, the, the kind of club just whatever the fuck that is where you can talk to into th things like that like what is that like what's the steps yeah do you, are, do you talk about, <laughs> which do you broach first the money or the sex I don't, fuck it yeah how do you Let justify it, it? Like, maybe just keep going you know maybe just keep asking for more but you're okay, asking, now, I, asked... I want fifty dollars for that. Yeah, it's okay. Here you go. And now I'm gonna fuck you. And now I want a hand job. So this is the oh, this okay. is the documentary. See, they always start off looking great. This is the case with uh, Wild. What is it? Wild Wild Country, right? Is that the one? Yeah, Wild Wild Country. And this was this this is one's Austin? similar. No, this is probably before they came to Austin. Okay. That, is that a lake or is that an ocean? See, that's all mountains and shit. So that yeah. must be when they were in California. So they were all together in California and then they fled and came to Austin. I don't remember why. He probably fucked the wrong dude I mean, or something. I mean, how are they not? I'm not. So not that's gonna, the guy. How are they not all getting this is the guy. Holy crap. This is the guy. So this guy now runs a cult in um, Hawaii. He fled, did all, he, he fled Austin, he went to Hawaii. So they, they confront him in Hawaii in the documentary. And this is all the place I'm gonna buy, Michael Malice. This is the place where I was setting up my big comedy club. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna have to sage the shit out of this place. No, but like I was literally gonna bring in exorcists to try to cleanse the room. I'm like, I can't buy this. And then luckily something was wrong and we had like an issue and I got out of the contract. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> how it's are a great place. How are you gonna Somebody bought it right away, right after I got out How are you out of gonna there. find the exorcist? Did you look on Yelp? I was gonna like figure out a way. I was gonna like hire a priest or something. I was gonna do a bunch of different things like that for fun. Because everyone's gonna know like the background of that place. If you watch the documentary, you know the background. It's on, and can you tell us where, the, are you allowed to say where this place is? Oh yeah, it's on BK's Road. It's called Holy the One God. World Theater. Yeah, it's beautiful. Somebody bought it, like I said, immediately afterwards. It's a gorgeous place. It's an amazing place to see shows too. It's like great acoustics there. It's really, but the story behind it is yeah, this yeah, cult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, even if like if we worked out all the the issues that we had had, um, 
it would have been a great comedy club. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place. It would have required some work to Isn't turn Isn't BK Grove a little out of the way, though? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. a little out of the way. But it's like... No, no, just asking. Yeah, just But everybody's sure. like, oh, I want to stay within, like, three minutes of downtown Austin. Like, come on. It's weird coming from California. Because right. California, like, the Ice House yeah. in Pasadena was no problem. Like, everybody went out to the Ice House. We had shows there all the time. That's like a 35-minute drive. All right. And that. Back out. I'll leave a link to that in the description below. The Alien Theme Club, located in the 6th Street Entertainment District, it, oh, sorry, advises guests to research comedians who will be performing to avoid any disturbances. We don't want you to get her fifis. Quote, comedy is... Let me get this a little bit better. There we go. Comedy is subjective, and certain comedians are not for everybody. Watching a YouTube clip or reading the headliner's biography is a great way to get insight into the in, <laughs> on the expected performances. The com- the Comedy Mothership's website reads, "I love it. The comedians did not stray away from taboo topics, making jokes about the LGBTQ plus community and anti-Semitism. Fuck off," which audience members found unapologetically hilarious because it is they're all jokes roseanne barr actress and comedian known for her role in role in roseanne shared her cancel culture frustrations with her audience quote after 30 i can't do roseanne after 30 years of fighting abc to have uh to have black writers and black characters on my show and then having the same fucking libtards turn around and call me racist is really fucking p- <laughs> It really fucking pissed me off. <laughs> she said, quote, I want to thank Joe for building this wonderful mothership for comedians, Barr said. Quote, it's so great in the green room with everybody up up there being drunk and smoking pot oh my god dude i want to get back into stand-up now i haven't done stand-up since before the fucking pandemic i want to do stand-up now i want to just get good enough to get it back there holy shit is it weird that this is inspiring me to get back into stand-up comedy like i'm gonna start testing my material on the show a little bit more hmm I'm really happy for her. I'm, I'm happy to see Roseanne finally getting what she deserves a little bit here. Comedy Mothership enfor- enforce that cell phones be bagged up in pouches before entering the facility to prevent footage leaks. Towards the end of the show, Rogan reflected on the evening saying, quote, It doesn't feel real. I know it's real, but it doesn't feel real. I was super nervous today. He has no plans on showing de- on ch- on slowing down his business ventures either. Oh hell yeah. Quote, I think I just like risks. I'm like, "Oh yeah. Let's buy a building on a street filled with crack addicts." Like I want someone to say no to me. They're all like, "Okay, go ahead." While balancing his new comedy club and notorious podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, he mentioned his dream podcast guest is Hunter Biden. Oh, oh my God, who would not? 
I would fucking watch that on repeat. Can anybody with like can a really good writer? Fuck, what if I did that? What if I wrote a really good Hunter Biden Joe Rogan interview? Dude, I would watch that interview. <laughs> oh, dude, what if you had Eddie Bravo there? Oh my god. What if Joe Rogan had Hunter Biden come on, right? And for the first 45 minutes, like a long, but a long and specific, and like weird time, right? like an hour and eight minutes and 22 seconds in, to this really weirdly t- weird time, and then all of a sudden Eddie Bravo just walks into the room. He's like, "Hey, Hunter," and then fucking Alex Jones walks in from the other room, and you just have that podcast. And Joe like, "Come on, Hunter, let's talk. Let's, uh, come on, Hunter, don't be a little bitch. Let's talk." Jamie, lock the fucking door. Lock the door, Jamie. Come on. I would watch that shit. Oh, my God. Get Tim Pool to show up. Get Jimmy Dorp in that bitch, too. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. I'd watch that shit. Get James O'Keefe on the phone. Mmm. Oh, that's just a fantasy. Who quote. I can turn this around for you, Rogan said, quote, if my dad had Alzheimer's and I was doing coke, I would have done the exact same shit you did. I really want to get him on. Fuck. Let's look at the first four special. Idiot on dust. <laughs> That's not my account, I promise. Remember how? Remember how he Stern used to be cutting edge and and outrageous? Then he sold out and took the money. Sam as before. Wasn't the money that made him woke. It was and is low self-esteem. Mm, base. Big Billy Lunch Meat Lunch Meat. Mm. It's a real Ram Ranch name. Chappelle, Rogan, Barr, and other non-woke comedians will make hundreds of millions without NYC or LA. Yeah, and people will flock there. This will become the new comedy, comedy epicenter. And not only that... One of the main reasons why you had some of the greatest comedies of all time in like the mid 70s to like the mid 80s, it's because you had a thing called the Viper Room and you had the Comedy Store. You also had a couple other little comedy clubs that were of note back then too, where a lot of these comedians would network with each other. Ones who already had movie careers going, so on and so forth, they would network, exchange contacts, drugs, you know, all the good stuff. And then they'd end up getting movies, sharing writers, sharing directors, sharing studios. They become hot commodity, hot commodities. It's essentially the same thing Happy Madison ended up doing. Happy Madison being Adam Sandler's production company. So it's only a matter of time before the woke crowd realizes they got buried. R.I.P. Norm Macdonald. Oh God! If only Norm Macdonald could be allowed to see this now. Chappelle and Rogan fit. The definition of woke. Chappelle and Rogan fit the definition of woke. You just misunderstand them. I have called Joe Rogan a shill liberal before because he will turn around and say shit like, Yeah, you know, I think what the Democrats are doing now is absolutely egregious, but I'll have Bernie Sanders on. I'll have on apparently Hunter Biden, all these other people on, but I'm not going to have Donald Trump on because I don't want to help him. Yeah, see, shit like that is why you get called a shill liberal. So I, 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 I can sympathize with this comment. A lot of people probably can, but I, I, I can sympathize with it. Though I'm happy about this. 
the mantra from the left of, quote, the beans will stop when your wokeness improves is coming to an end. Ooh, the beans will stop when your wokeness improves. I like that. All right, folks. Well, this is just a nice little lighthearted, feel-good episode here. All links will be in the description. This has been Inside Four Walls. I've been host James Madison. And I shall catch y'all later. Deuce.